Welcome. You're listening to The Sanctuary Podcast with Pastor Tullian Chavidjan. If you'd like to learn more about The Sanctuary, visit our website, thesanctuaryjupiter.com. We do this, Stacy and I do this about once every eight weeks or so, where we'll, on a Sunday morning, do a Q&A instead of me preaching. And usually, Stacy comes up with three or four questions that I'm unaware of, uh, and then she asks me, on stage in front of you, and I have to come up with some kind of intelligent answer for the question she asks. Um, but it's actually, we've, we really enjoy that. We enjoy doing the, the Q&A. Um, and so we knew we would be coming back from the wedding. And we said, why don't we do a Q&A on that Sunday? And let's talk about marriage. Now, I want to say something on the front end as a preface. Um, I've been divorced once, Stacy's been divorced twice, and some people would understandably think to themselves, what in the world do these two people know about marriage when they've experienced so much failure in marriage? Um, and to be quite frank, we don't in any way, shape, or form claim to be experts. Uh, we're sort of stumbling along like I'm the rest of you. I'm an expert at the failure of marriage. So... Uh, so there's uh, a lot of intel there, but I mean, we're, you know, we're still stumbling along just like everybody else is, but, uh, failure has taught me things that success didn't. Uh, and so often we are stubborn people. I know I am. And usually it takes some sort of crash and burn or bottoming out or failure to kind of learn what to do and what not to do. Um, and so, uh, so I think we've spent a lot of time, Stacy and I, over the last seven years since we've met each other, spent a lot of time thinking about uh, our previous failures and you know just the ongoing challenges of being so closely related in marriage uh, to uh, another sinner, another broken person. I mean, that's what marriage is. It's one flawed person wedded to another flawed person, but with a faithful God. Um, and so, uh, so we, we have enjoyed our conversations together, her and I, about marriage and about the struggles of marriage, the beauty of marriage, the challenges of marriage. Um, and so we wanted to sort of have a, a conversation about that. The format, I think, that we agreed on yesterday uh, was typically, as I mentioned, she asks me questions on Q&A Sundays, and then I give answers. And I said, well, since this is more of a conversation, why don't you come up with three questions that I don't know you're going to ask, and I'll come up with three questions for you that you don't know I'm going to ask, and we'll just sort of go back and forth and see where it goes. So this could be a lot of fun, or it could be a complete train wreck. We'll find out in a few <laughs> minutes. Um, I've got mine in my pocket. So Okay, so um, s would you like to go first, or do you want me to go first? Um. I mean, it depends. Ladies should go first, but I don't know if that means you should ask the question first or you should answer the first question. So it's really up to you. What do you want to do? I'll ask you a question. Okay. First. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Um, what does a good marriage, healthy marriage look like? Hmm. Like ours. <laughs> uh, right answer. No, I'm just kidding. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this. Jeez, uh, man. I wish I would have known these questions before this morning. Um, I think the more self-aware both people are, the healthier it is. 
So self-awareness is a huge help in any relationship, but in marriage in particular, knowing what your weaknesses are, what your triggers are, what your frustrations are, what are the things that uh, irk you and why do they irk you, um, you know, what sort of your natural proclivities are, uh, you know, all of those things, knowing yourself, I think is a huge part in being a healthy person, and when two people know themselves very well, um, then it usually contributes to a healthy marriage. Um, Truth, whether it's a, a good, happy truth or a hard truth, is a huge key ingredient to any healthy relationship, marriage in particular. Um... Uh, we have some good friends, Paul and Mary Zoll, who I've talked about on numerous occasions, older couple that I've known for many years. Outside of my mother, they were the first people that I introduced Stacy to when we first met. Um, Paul and Mary are dear friends, and they have walked me through the valley of the shadow of death on numerous occasions, and they've walked us through a lot of difficult situations. Uh, And one of the things that they always say is God works in, with, and through the truth. However hard or ugly or uncomfortable that truth may be, when you stick to the truth, God is there. Um, That when we try to uh, manipulate the narrative or we try to hide certain things um, where we or we try to or we cultivate dark corners apart from the person that we're in relationship with um, th- that's usually when bad stuff happens um, when destructive things happen so um, self-awareness truth uh, honesty and transparency obviously um, there is a, um, a a quote that I read at Reagan and Tim's, during Reagan and Tim's ceremony. Let's see if I can find it here. Hmm? Yeah, but I got it. I got it in my wedding ceremony here. Um, hold on. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, Humility also in a good marriage. Yeah. Yes. Um, I, uh, I talked about to them what the what the meaning of being one flesh is. You know, the, in, in the Bible, the marriage relationship is the only relationship where God says two people become one. It doesn't say that about our relationship with our children. It doesn't say that about our relationship with our parents, our friends, but it does say that about our relationship with our spouse. Uh, and there's a lot of confusion about what one flesh actually means. Um, and so this is what I said. I said, the marriage relationship is the only relationship in which God says two people become one. It doesn't say that about any other relationship. After your relationship with God, your relationship with each other is the most important in God's eyes. Being one flesh means that from this day forward, Reagan and Tim, or, you know, put your name in there, Reagan and Tim are no longer two me's, rather they are one we. One writer put it this way. To be one flesh means one mortal life fully shared. Two selfish me's start learning to think like one unified us, sharing one everything, one life, one reputation, one bed, one suffering, one budget, one family, one mission, and so forth. No barriers, no hiding, no aloofness, total openness with total sharing and total solidarity until death parts them. Um, I think that 
obviously is a huge contributing factor to a healthy marriage. Understanding that we are, that we are one, mm-hmm. um, that every decision I make affects you in some way, whether it's a quiet decision or a loud decision or a small decision or a big decision or whatever the case may be. Every decision I make affects you. Every decision you make affects me. Um, Whether we even know that we're making those decisions or not, who you are affects who I am and who I am affects who you are. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so being striving to be healthy in all of the ways God wants us to be healthy is not just for me, it's for her and vice versa. It's for one another. Um, so that would be, do you have anything to add to your own question? Because <laughs> I know you have some thoughts on that. No, I, I think I would have ag- said and agree with all of those things. And I think um, forgiveness, we talk about that often is mm-hmm. really a huge part of a, a good and healthy marriage because if you've ever needed to forgive someone, you know that that can't always be easy. Sometimes that's a difficult thing, especially when it's the person that you're closest to. And so um, you would think um, it's a misnomer that when people get married, they're like, yes, I'll be able to forgive him and whatever comes, like it'll, it'll just be fine. And forgiveness is tough. It's tough to forgive people when they hurt you. It's, it's um, easy to love people that are lovable. It's hard to love someone un- in their unlovable moments. And it's definitely hard to forgive them when they have hurt you. And so forgiveness is a huge, huge part, of, I think, of a healthy marriage. And your grandmother, Ruth, had a, a famous quote about that that you want to share it? Yeah, she your just tete-tete? said every, every good relationship is made up of two good forgivers which is true. And she was married to my granddad for 60 years, I think. Um, They got married in 1943 and she died in 2007. So do the math, but it was a long (laughs) time and they had a lot to forgive one another for in that time. Uh, One of the things that I said to Tim and Reagan is neither of you get to marry a perfect person. You're both sinners. You're both flawed people. Uh, you're, you know, First Corinthians gives this remarkable description of love, and so often we read that passage prescriptively as if it's telling us what to do, telling us how to love. It's not. It's not prescribing anything. It's simply describing what love is. And, uh, and that's actually helpful when you realize that it's a description and not a prescription, because if it's a prescription, all of us are going to get really discouraged really fast. Because some of the things that that passage says about love, love never fails. Well, the first one is patience. Right. Yeah, love is patient. <laughs> love is kind. Um, but, I mean, love never fails. It does not envy. It never boasts. I mean, come on. Those are things that we fail at on a daily basis. So if these are prescriptions, we're in big trouble, and we're going to get super discouraged really quick. But when we realize that what keeps us together is not, the fact that our love will never fail. It's that God's love for us will never fail. That's what keeps us together. That's what keeps us moving forward. It's if, if our relationship, and I said this to Tim and Reagan, but if our relationship uh, was built on the foundation of our love for one another, we'd be in trouble because our foundation has cracks in it. Our foundation isn't as strong as we want it to be. But when we realize that the foundation of our relationship is not our love for one another, but God's love for us, well, now you've just shored up uh, a foundation that you can build a marriage on. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, I think that that's forgiveness is a massive, 
massive part of that. The other thing that Paul and Mary's all, Paul said to us, mm-hmm. which I thought was very wise, and it took a little bit of time for me to mm-hmm. wrestle with and grasp, was the fact that he said, you know, men and women um, are, you know, uh, before God, they are both made in God's image, and they are equal in all the all of these ways, but they're uniquely wired. We know that. I mean, we know that, you know, I, I, Stacy knows that I, I, I'm, I'm uniquely wired as a man, and she's uniquely wired as a woman, and, and, he, and Paul's all said, as a result of that unique wiring, men have to learn to forgive women for being women, and women have to learn how to forgive men for being men. And I, we've spent a lot of time thinking about that and unpacking that because there are certain things that, that may irk her or irk me, and it doesn't really have anything to do with us as much as it has to do with something. It has to do with someone who's unlike us mm-hmm. and having to adjust or get used to someone who responds very differently than I would respond in a situation or get used to someone who reacts very differently than I would react in a situation and to go, well, gosh, this marriage would be so much better if you were more like me. Uh, <laughs> we tend to think that way. But, you know, uh, you realize very quickly um, that if my another quote of my grandmother's is that <laughs> if two people are exactly the same, one of them is unnecessary, which I think is a very true. Um, I need all of the ways that she is distinct from me. And she needs all of the ways that I am distinct from her. We need that. Um, it, it rounds we us out. We benefit from that, whether we think we need it or not. We benefit. From we benefit that. from that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Is it my turn? It's your turn. Okay. Go for it, babe. Okay, I mentioned before that you've been divorced twice. Yes. So uh, who has been your favorite husband? I'm just kidding. Uh, (laughs) I knew he was going to do that. I got one coming for you. I told her yesterday I was going to do it. That wasn't a surprise. Okay, really. In all seriousness, she never answered the question, by the way, when I asked her yesterday. She was like, that's funny. I'm like, no, I'm serious. (laughs) What's the answer to your question? Uh, Okay. Um, Ridiculous. (laughs) <laughs> okay, um, this is something that you have taught me. Hmm. I've learned more about love from Stacy than anybody on earth. That's the truth. And <laughs> it hasn't be been because she sits me down on a nightly basis and instructs me on what love is. <laughs> it's just that she has loved me so well hmm. that it's taught me how to love. It's taught me more about what love is because she's loved me. And so we've, we've talked about this stuff before. Um... What's the hardest thing about being married? Well, you threw me off with all the other t- love talk, and now I'm like all upset. Um, what's the hardest upset? thing? Well, like you taught cry. me about love. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, yeah. happy tears. Uh, happy tears. Um, what's the hardest part about being married? Hardest thing about being married. Yeah, I, I definitely think that the hardest part about being married, in general and specifically. To to our marriage, in our marriage, for both of us, um, it is um, dealing with my own sin, my sinfulness, just like dealing with my own failure, my flaws, and dealing with another person's sin and failure and flaws. Because it's that's the most difficult part. Because where that is, there's there's a lack of love. There's a lack of grace. There's a lack of forgiveness. And in those moments that I am, uh, my sin is first and foremost in my response or my engagement with you, um, those are the hardest moments. And those are 
where conflict comes from. Because we can disagree on something and it doesn't have to end up in an argument or, you know, a breakdown of communication. We can, it, conflict is normal. If you got humans, you got conflict. And so for marriage, though, specifically, it's learning how to deal with my own sin and the sin of another person that I'm entrusted to deal with and handle with care. Um, and that's the hardest because it covers every area, financial, romantic, social, relationally, um, emotional care. It covers just every area of your marriage. And dealing with that is the hardest part. And thankfully, I feel like um, God shows us those parts of ourselves that we have a hard time facing. Um, He spreads that out a little bit so you don't have to face it all at once (laughs) Um, in both of us. And so sometimes my sin brings out something really amazing in him that God has done. And sometimes my sin brings out his sin. (laughs) You know, sometimes... It's not, um, it's not always the good that comes out in us. And I think that that is the hardest thing to deal with by far. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we've already touched on it a little bit. But, yeah, I think uh, I would echo that and just say oftentimes if I'm upset with you or, mm-hmm. I get, or I'm frustrated with you, when I stop, when I take a minute, stop, and rather than re- react out of that feeling, mm. sort of reflect on it instead, I discover that most of the issue is something going on inside of me mm-hmm. rather than mm-hmm. something she's doing or has mm-hmm. failed to do. And in that way, uh, you know, I'm, I'm projecting onto her uh, in some way, shape, or form that I'm uncomfortable or frustrated or angry or annoyed or fearful or feeling insecure or for whatever reason. And I, in a sense, take that out on her and try to find a scapegoat outside of me. Mm-hmm. And I've said this on numerous occasions, our greatest obstacle to relational health does not exist outside of us. It exists inside of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am my own greatest obstacle to relational health, whether that's to Stacy or my kids or uh, friends or whatever the case may be. Uh, I carry within me uh, a sort of a me-centered disease that tends to... Uh, you know, sort of toxify relationships. That's mm-hmm. what sin is. It's a very me-centered disease. Mm-hmm. It's it's all about me, what I want, what mm-hmm. I need. And another thing I would say is uh, when I look to her mm-hmm. to be for me what only God can be for me, mm-hmm. I can get very frustrated and I can be very disappointed. My expectations are uh, unrealistically high each and every time I'm depending on her to deliver to me what only God can deliver to me in a particular moment. But when I know that I, before God, I am fully loved, fully accepted, and fully affirmed so that everything I need, I now possess, now I'm free to give to her without needing her to reciprocate. I can give to her, and when she gives back, it, you know, it's, it's wonderful and it makes me feel alive and it's encouraging and all those things. And as much as I may enjoy her giving back, I don't need her to give back in order to function 
because everything I need, God has already given me. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that what makes marriage hard is when I make you into an idol. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I look to you to be for me what only God can be in totally those moments. Mm-hmm. You know, I was going to share a couple of things that Paul Zoll, um, who we, we've already mentioned, but he has a lot of gold nuggets to share. But he said at one time, in every argument, remember that there won't be a winner and a loser. You're partners in everything. So you'll either win together or you'll, you'll lose together, which I think we don't always think that way because we're still stuck in the me. And so when, when you're married and you think of it like, you know, ha like I won that argument. Um, <laughs> he's the loser. Um, I'm losing never. too at the same moment. Never. Yeah, you can imagine. I never lose. <laughs> But that's, that's exactly when it, when marriage becomes a competition and it's our inner centers that are doing that, if it's ever happening, um, which is the problem we just described. But, um, when marriage becomes a competition, um, it is not, it's a battleground. It is, becomes like a game, um, and a scorecard. And that is, uh, so destructive. I've never seen a marriage survive that, um, or at least not be a happy one. It's two very unhappy people. Is it my turn or your turn? I don't know. I think it's your turn. Okay. You asked one, I asked one. And okay. Now it's your turn. Okay. Um, what do you believe is the biggest enemy of marriage? That is so funny. That was one of my questions Shut for you. Shut your mouth. I, yeah, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't phrase it that way. I, I said, in your opinion, <laughs> what is the biggest threat to any marriage? <laughs> <laughs> one flesh. One flesh. One uh, flesh. Yeah, what, yeah. <laughs> you just gave us some insight into what goes on into your home, Ray, apparently. <laughs> um, we'll okay, ask, ask me the question again. Um, what please. do you believe is the biggest enemy of marriage? Man. You were going to ask me this question, so. <laughs> because I wanted an answer, not because I had an answer. <laughs> um. The biggest, I mean, I don't want to sound overly cliche, but I just said, in essence, that the greatest obstacle, my greatest obstacle to relational health, and if we're talking about our relationship, our marriage, is me. It's my selfishness. It's my sin. It's my uh, elevating you to put you on a pedestal that only God should be on. Uh, It's my feeling like I need you to deliver to me what I desperately feel like I need in order to press on and strain forward and that sort of thing. So, I mean, I am the greatest threat to my marriage. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important if both parties are willing to admit that, you have the makings of a healthy relationship. Mm -hmm. Uh, when I think that the greatest threat to our marriage is you, mm-hmm. or you think that the greatest mm-hmm. threat to our marriage is me, mm-hmm. well, mm-hmm. it's not going to end well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if I recognize... Or if we think it's out there. Right, you know, I, right, if, yes. If we think it's out there. And that's oftentimes what like, we tend you know, to like, think. Like your parents or 
or this, someone else, someone else, another right. woman or another or man, uh, you know, someone mm -hmm. is something like that. When mm -hmm. we, when we assume that the biggest threat to our marriage mm -hmm. is, is anything some, but some man trying to steal you or mm -hmm. some woman trying to steal me. Mm -hmm. And so now that's where our guard goes, right. not that it shouldn't be there, but that's where right. our guard goes rather than listen, that's going to be the case no matter what. Right. We are responsible to protect right. this, and the best way for us to protect our marriage is to recognize just how weak and flawed we are as individuals. We, we talk about this when we talk about people in recovery, uh, which we talk about a lot in this church. Um, in fact, I was trying to describe the sanctuary for a handful of people that I met this weekend, and they're like, so tell me about it. I said, well, the best way for me to describe the sanctuary is that it is, and you've heard me say this before, it's a recovery place masquerading as a church. <laughs> That's the best way for me to describe it. Um, and we talk about this around here a lot, but the people who I've known throughout my life who have struggled with some sort of addiction, whether it be substance abuse or something else, uh, the ones who uh, stay sober mm -hmm. are the ones who recognize their own weaknesses, mm -hmm. the ones who recognize that they are always one decision away from going back to hell. Mm -hmm. Um, in a, in a, you know, you know what I mean? Hell. Speaking. Yeah. Figuratively speaking, you know, just sort of going back to a really dark, bad, destructive place. The people who I've known who think they're beyond that, mm -hmm. that or they're strong mean, enough now that they can stand on their own mm -hmm. two feet. They're the ones who typically fall or relapse. And I think the same is true in marriage. If Absolutely. we think that, if we think, if I think I'm a good, strong man who is devoted and loyal and there's nothing that could ever tempt me. I mean, I've, you guys know this. My first marriage ended many years ago because I, in part because I was unfaithful to my first wife. And the irony of that entire thing is mm -hmm. that was the one area that was more shored up than any other area in my life. I was bound and determined to not become another statistic, and I put up guards and guardrails all over the place, and I was like, you know, if I'm gonna crash and burn, there are a whole bunch of fronts where I think that can happen, but this ain't one of them. I thought I was beyond, um, you know, I was beyond the possibility of falling in that way, and that's mm -hmm. exactly the way that I fell. And so I think knowing our own knowing our own weaknesses, knowing our own, uh, our own sinfulness, knowing our own selfishness, um, knowing the specific ways in which we project. Now, all of those detailed things about us that are flawed in that regard are really healthy to know about ourselves. And I think when we fail to grasp that stuff, uh, you know, it's sort of the enemy's at the gate at that point. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, I agree. I just think that it's so common. We hear from a lot of couples that are happily married, unhappily married, having a crisis, getting married. And most people don't think that the biggest enemy of their marriage is in it. <laughs> the two people that are in it, they usually see it. They want to safeguard all of these other ways or shore up all of these other places. And not that that's unimportant, but if you don't prepare yourself to deal with another sinner and yourself as a sinner, you're going to fail in protecting your marriage in a grave and dangerous way. Well, and I would say that 
I have talked to lots of couples who believe that the greatest threat is inside their marriage. It's just they, the they other think, person. Uh, yeah, yeah, they think it's uh, the other person. Yeah. yeah, he's the biggest threat to our marriage. He's the problem. Or she's the biggest right. threat. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the, the guys and I talked about this last Tuesday. Um, we were just talking about um, forgiveness, love, those sorts of important ingredients that go into any healthy relationship. And mm-hmm. um, what do we do? Let's say I hurt you mm-hmm. and I apologize for that. Mm-hmm. I come clean about that. I say I'm sorry about that. And, um, and you can't let it go. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now this... Mm-hmm never happens by the way okay this is just very theoretical uh but i mean you know you for whatever reason and uh and you keep reminding me over and over and over and over that constant reminder right you know it's i've I've said this it's not helpful isn't it yeah right it doesn't (laughs) contribute to happy moments but that ongoing sort of reminder Mm -hmm. or if i do it to you Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. that reveals that I believe in that moment or that you believe in that mm-hmm. moment that the other person is the greatest threat. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I am. My inability to forgive in this moment right. is my is the greatest threat in this moment right. to our marriage right. and, you know, vice versa. Yeah. So there's a whole bunch of levels at which we are able to identify our own self-righteousness. And what I mean by that is our own um, ability to blame someone else mm-hmm. and to always find a scapegoat for mm-hmm. what the real problem is, which is my own heart. Mm-hmm. The heart of the human problem, as Winston Churchill said, is the problem of the human heart. And mm-hmm. the Bible reiterates that. God reiterates that. Jesus, in the, in the various parables that he tells, reiterates that. It's not, it's not what comes out of a man that makes him, I mean, it's not what goes into a man that makes him unhealthy. It's what comes out, that the seed of every problem we have is in our own hearts. So, Paul Zoll said another, on that topic, Paul Zoll said another um, brilliant little nugget. He said, marriage is a workshop where God tears both of you down, deconstructs you inside and out as individuals, only to rebuild you as one, and it's a lifetime project. Yeah, it's good. And so I love that he says that just because um, so many times as a, a spouse and even as a person watching a marriage, you can be discouraged because you're like, it's not supposed to be this way. Things are supposed to be building up, um, not being torn down. And so it's really difficult for us to think about being deconstructed as something healthy and good and for our good, where God is tearing us down. Um, in places that need to be deconstructed. We need to unlearn something, maybe how our parents raised us, what their marriage looked like, what our grandparents' marriage looked like, or what we just thought marriage should be, our own idealistic um, version of marriage. Um, He is a gracious God to tear those down. And it doesn't always feel sweet and gracious, but um, if you can look at it and see it as that... um, you can, it helps to endure it and you can go, oh, okay. Like this is, I can trust that he's going to deconstruct me where I need to be deconstructed. And I can trust him to deconstruct Tullian where he needs deconstructing. I don't need to do that. That's not my job because as spouses, and we hear this, we never do it, of course, but, um, but we, you know, that it's our natural inclination to tell the other person where they need to change. 
and how you need to be better in this area. And it's my job as your helper and spouse to do that. And we can take on that role. And that's not our job. That is absolutely not our job. That is God's job. And we can do it in the name of God. Like, well, I mean, you're a Christian or the Bible says, or this is it. Like, it's God's job to deconstruct him and build him up. And I'll be a part, he may use me to be a part of that, but he's never going to do that in a way that is hurtful and unloving. It may, he may think it's hurtful and unloving, but he's not going to do that. God's not going to use me in a way to um, deconstruct Tullian that is me telling him what to do. Uh, and that's, that's like so innate in us to want to tell you how to change so that I feel better. Um, yeah, I mean, I've said this. You guys have heard me. If you've been here for any length of period of time, you know this. I've said this, that every attempt on our part to fix someone else is actually a subtle attempt to fix ourselves. Because what we're saying in that moment is, I need you to become a certain way if I'm going to be happy. Mm-hmm. My happiness is riding on your fixedness. Um, and that's not just reserved for spouses. No, my gosh, that's for everybody. That's for everybody. Yeah, my granddad said that it's God's job to change people, and it's our job to love people, full stop. That really simplifies our <laughs> roles in the lives of other people, especially our spouse. When we realize it's not my job to fix him, it's not my job to fix her, it's not my job to change her, it's not my job to change him, that's God's job. My job is just to love them and, and trust that uh, God, as Stacy just said, will choose to use me in some ways as God does his work, um, but it's not my job to change and to fix. I mean, honestly, I said this jokingly a little bit ago, but this is so true, and I can certainly identify this in my former marriage, um, my previous marriage, and also in ours. Um, you know, there are those moments where you fall prey to thinking, if this person would be more like me, we wouldn't be experiencing this kind of trouble. They just need to become more like me. They need to drive like me. They need to think like me. They need to react to situations the like me. like me. They need to parent like me. They need to have the same diet that I have. They need, you know, if they, right. just, if they were just the female version of me, <laughs> I would be a happy man, okay? Um, Jerry Seinfeld thought yeah, he, that in one like, Seinfeld I, well, episode. I figured it out. Yeah, he said, I, I met someone myself. just like me. He goes, I'm in love. I, I finally figured out what I've been looking for my entire life, myself. Uh, <laughs> and then he realized after a few weeks of dating that he, he hates so himself right. and he had to break up the relationship <laughs> because, anyway, um, most of my life lessons come from Seinfeld episodes it's in case Bible you haven't noticed. No, I didn't Seinfeld say the Bible. Like I said Seinfeld close. episodes first, <laughs> Bible second. Um, so, yeah. Okay, is it my turn? Yeah. I, have a, I have a question that I okay. want to ask you. <laughs> what is the most rewarding thing about being married? We've talked about mm-hmm. what the are the challenges the are, hardest things. Let's talk mm-hmm. about what the most rewarding thing. Let's paint a pretty picture of what <laughs> healthy, uh, a, a, a good marriage can mm-hmm. feel like. Um, let me think real quickly. Um, I think the best parts of marriage are exactly what all of us want the most at the core of our being. We want to be known and loved. And so to be honest, truthful, um, and vulnerable, we've talked about transparency, and people can be transparent without being vulnerable. I can tell you 
you know, something about myself that's very transparent without being vulnerable. If I tell you something vulnerable, that means you can wound me with that truth. So when I'm being vulnerable, I'm telling you something truthful that you could use as a weapon. And being in a relationship where, you know, I can tell you the worst parts about myself and I can be that vulnerable and I can trust that you're not going to hurt me with that truth. That is to be known and loved. And so I tell Tullian things that I don't tell any other human as that is the way it should be. Um, He's my best friend. He's my confidant. And so to have that safety and being able to be known and loved, like nobody else may know these things about me and they're not supposed to and they don't have to and they don't get to. It's not their privilege. Um, But knowing that there's this one human on the planet that knows me and loves me to the degree that you can and do is to me like the best part of marriage. It's like definitely, I mean, there are a lot of good parts, but that for me is like, if there was nothing else, if we had a, another COVID shutdown, God forbid, or some, you know, something like that, some apocalypse or, you know, a pop, a pop, you said it right, apocalypse, something bad happened. Yeah. If something, I'm so tired. Um, something bad happened and I'm, we're just left and, you know, we can't go out and we can't socialize to be with the one person that knows and loves me. Um, is that's gold. Yeah, I would, uh, I agree with that. I would say some just sort of basic stuff like just companionship. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there, there are, um, there are things that, I like to do, um, let's say if it's, you know, we, we, um, going to see a movie or watching a show or going to eat dinner or going to the beach or whatever the case may be. And to have someone to do that with, uh, on a daily basis is a real blessing of marriage. It's huge. I mean, it's really, it's a gift to be, uh, to be married to someone that you really like. It's not just someone that you love. It's possible to love somebody without liking them. I can tell you a whole host of people in my life that I love and don't like. Uh, but um, just kidding. And it's no one, here. none of that, is, none of those people are in this room, by the way. Nobody I love and room. like all of you. Um, but uh, just to have friendship, mm-hmm. companionship, um, you know, I, um, I, I mean, I just mentioned a few minutes ago that my first marriage ended in part a number of years ago because I was unfaithful to my first wife. And you fall prey to thinking that uh, where this person lacks, I can find somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and I, you come to realize the grass is not greener on the other side. It's just mm-hmm. not. Mm-hmm. And, um, and to go, man, I have right here, right now, flawed as she may be, I have someone that I enjoy hanging out with, that I enjoy getting to know, that I enjoy doing things with, um, that I enjoy talking to. I mean, there I can't think of one person, uh, my kids included, that if something happens, something big, something exciting, something tragic, uh, big news of some sort, the first person that comes to mind that I want to share that with every time is her. And there are a lot of other people that I will share those things with, but the first person that comes to mind 
is her. Well, that's actually a gift from God to even feel like I want to share something like that, those sorts of things with somebody, especially when that somebody is your wife. So I would say that's a, that's a huge blessing and benefit of being married, a beautiful thing about being married. Um, what else? We got well, that was my question. That, I mean, I that answered was, your question. I know, so now it's time for you to ask me one. Okay. Wait, let me see. It's, it's 11.33. Okay, never mind. Okay. Anything else? Any final words? You know what? Okay, I'm going to do something unprecedented here. Okay. Uh-oh. Huh? Okay. Uh, we're going to take five more minutes. Okay, five minutes. That's it. Um, and we're going to take one question. Oh, mercy. From the floor on marriage. One it can be anything you want to ask. If it's entirely too personal, I'll say I'm not asking that. You nosy. Answering. Yeah, right. Yeah, you're not going to uh, But one question. One. Anybody. Somebody. Kate. Okay. No, Doug. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. falling in that Did you way hear again? Doug's question? He said, uh, what... What, are you what doing? am I doing now? Uh, you know, be, I mentioned before that I had thought I had all the safeguards up, um, mm-hmm. and they proved not to be strong enough. Mm-hmm. Um, I proved not to be strong enough. Um, mm-hmm. So what? A, what am I doing now? Uh, which is basically what are we doing now? Because yeah, we're together in safeguarding this. There's um, no one else on the planet in charge of protecting our marriage except us. Well, more so than us. More yeah, so. there are I mean, thankfully a lot can, of people around us that protect that do, us. But, but they're not charged right. with it. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I think uh, transparency is a big thing. For instance, something mm-hmm. very practical. Mm-hmm. Everything from my social media to my emails and all the contacts, all that stuff, all that stuff is on her phone and all of her stuff's on my phone. So we, can, we, can, we have full transparency in that regard. We, we know who we're talking to and what we're saying and that sort of thing. Um, that's just, and that's not us being nosy. That's just, that's just us sort of going, I've got nothing to hide, and, and, and I, I want you, you to know that. Have, you always have full access to me. Like right. that's saying, right. saying that and standing by it. Right, that's right. Mm-hmm. Um, so things like that. Um, you know, I think uh, just having friendships mm-hmm. uh, with friendships. with other people um you know me having friendships with guys and her having friendships with women and um you know friendships where we can talk openly about this stuff um just what's actually going on in life not feeling like we need to pretend that mm-hmm. things are better than they are having those few people that we can talk to and go to and that sort of thing um one thing i think that keeps it is for both of us, is the consequences that we've both endured. Uh, the consequences. Consequences that, are a great teacher. Of any kind of failure in, great, in marriage. Yeah. No, it is. I mean, you know, I, I would like matter. to say that the thing that probably prevents me from making that mistake again is my love for Stacy, as true as that may be. <laughs> uh, but the, But in reality, it's... I don't want to go through that hell again. Right. <laughs> I mean, I do. That was hell on earth in a way that I never want to experience again. And I had to learn the hard way that the grass is not greener on the other side. And that doesn't mean that in, you know, you can't deceive yourself into believing romantically again or romanticizing again. Like, oh, that was great. It wasn't. 
you know, you forget we were talking this weekend, Carl, we were, I think it was Carl, we were talking about how it's so easy mm-hmm. for us to remember the good moments of when we were living in the far country mm-hmm. and we forget the real tragic, we destructive, it. right. We romanticize mm-hmm. it. Um, but I will say this, that you can put whatever guardrails you want. It doesn't matter. You can put stuff on your phone. You, we can be transparent. We can do whatever we want. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, the mm-hmm. end of the day, um, nothing outside of us can fully protect us from mm-hmm. ourselves. I mean, God, God, the one thing outside of us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, we have to realize that we carry within us the natural proclivity mm-hmm. to screw up our lives and to screw up everybody else around us's lives in it with and one we decision. Personally, deal with and get to deal with. Like we get to do this. I don't want to sound negative, but we get to talk to so many couples on just about a daily basis, definitely a weekly basis. A lot of couples, a lot of spouses, we're constantly um, navigating crises with people and um, preparing people to be married and doing a marriage study. And we're constantly faced with the truth, truths of how marriages fail and what they struggle with and um, just how vulnerable they are, like how under attack marriages are always, even when they are seemingly not. And so even that is just a constant reminder for us specifically, because we're constantly like, oh gosh, that's so sad. Like, so glad that you're my husband. I don't want to ever have to deal with that. I'm so thankful that we're not in that season or we're not having to go through this. And that sounds selfish and terrible, but it is a safeguard. It's not just the consequences of our own decisions that teach us. It's the consequence of other people's decisions that teach us also. And we are, we constantly, um, God and his providence has put us in a place where we're constantly self-reflective um, together and individually on our own failures and that of those of other people because of that, because of these ongoing conversations with people. Um, and that's helped. I mean, that it keeps it right here in the forefront of our mind. Um, I, I told uh, Reagan and Tim this weekend, I said, you know, they say it takes a village to raise <laughs> a child, which I believe is true. I think it also takes a village to sustain a marriage. I mean, being in community Mm -hmm. is so important. Being around other people, whether they're single or married or whatever the case may be, being around other people. Who are for uh, your marriage. Who are for your marriage in one way, Mm -hmm. shape, or form is huge. I mean, you know, if you're you're a woman and you have real frustrations with your man and you spend your time with other women who are really frustrated with their men and you guys... have mercies. It's not going to be good. And you guys sit around and talk about how bad your man is. That's not going to help your marriage. (laughs) And as much as you might think those people are supporting you, they're actually not for your marriage either Mm -hmm. or else they wouldn't be allowing you to talk about your husband that way mm-hmm. and they wouldn't be talking about their mm-hmm. husbands that way now you fl- or that can be husbands too i've sat in many groups where you know husband it's a it's a gripe session about their spouses <laughs> or their girlfriends or whatever ongoing and everyone's like oh you too and you know well you should tell her to do this and da 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 da, da. none of those people are actually for the relationship mm-hmm. but when on the flip side when you're around people who go man that's i that's got to be hard but look here's why it's worth fighting for Mm-hmm. that's a game changer. Those are the people who are really for your relationship, mm-hmm. for your marriage. Um, the people who are like, man, that sounds really hard and that sounds really painful. And I hate that you're experiencing that or that you're going through that. But here's why I think it's worth fighting for. Now, 
there are extenuating circumstances where there's abuse. I get all that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the normal, everyday frustrations of being in marriage or being in a relationship Mm -hmm. that's not easy um, for specific reasons. So, okay, that's it. That's That's all we got time for. Um, If you've enjoyed this message, be sure to subscribe to the Sanctuary Podcast. You can find it on all major podcast platforms. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, please consider giving to the work God is doing through the sanctuary. You can give on our website, thesanctuaryjupiter.com. Thanks for listening to the Sanctuary Podcast.